what does it mean to be close to God? Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple truth. A buzzword of today, I'm spiritual. Listen to Colossians 2.23. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. I can do all these things. That's not going to make me stronger in the spirit. That's not going to help me not yield to my sin nature. They just give an appearance of that. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's astonishing that some people are willing to spend hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars for a photo of themselves taken with a celebrity or dignitary. But did you know that you could experience a more genuine closeness to Jesus for free? In today's study, Pastor Xavier pictures what a real relationship with our Lord looks like. Take a moment to open your Bible to Luke chapter 11 for a message titled, False Spirituality Exposed by Jesus. The animosity against Jesus is continuing to grow as he is headed for Jerusalem. And um, his primary enemies are the religious leaders. Those who were supposed to be teaching and observing the law and teaching people and watching over them, waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And yet they missed their Messiah. They became the number one enemies. They were deceivers and treacherous to the people as well as Messiah, as we've seen. The religious men at this point have asked for a sign from heaven, from Jesus, accusing them that he was casting out demons by the prince of Beelzebub rather than the finger of God in chapter 11 here, verse 15 to 28. And the crowds were declared to be an evil generation by the very words of Jesus because they had asked him for a sign. And he gave him the sign of the prophet Jonah that he had been to Nineveh. The sign of Jonah to Nineveh in this context is that he was a sign of repentance or judgment. Jesus here in Luke's account, he doesn't deal with the three days and three nights of the resurrection, but he deals and he focuses upon repentance or judgment. That's the focus of this context. So Jesus spoke many times of the same thing from different vantage points, sometimes exactly, sometimes different. And, um, and this is one of these cases. In fact, uh, there in chapter 11, verse 29 to 32, he says that um, unless they repented, that um, in, in the future judgment, uh, the queen of Sheba, as well as the men of Nineveh, would be uh, condemning them because a greater than, uh, than Solomon and a greater than Jonah was here, Jesus Christ. They had the greater light. To those much is given, much more is required. And so... Then he spoke of the parable of the light that we'll see right now in our text as the background. And so Luke then records the account of the Pharisee inviting Jesus to dinner, which uh, prompted him to denounce the religious rulers, characterized by the following. First, the insincere invitation in verse 37 to 44. Insincere invitation. Secondly, you have the indignant interruption in verse 45 to 51. And then thirdly, the incriminating adjudication in 52 to 54. The insincere invitation is the foundation here. Jesus has just given the parable of the lighted lamp as it says, and as he spoke. He's referring back to verse 33 to 36. We have touched this topic of light and lamps before. Again, Jesus repeated some of these sayings. There, in verse 33, Jesus said, A lamp is not hidden, 
but should be placed on the stand for all to see the light. In 34, he said, whatever is taken in by the eye, whether it be good or bad, will determine if the body is full of light or darkness. That's a warning. He's talking to Christians, to believers. 35, he warned that the light in us be not darkness. We have a free will. We have a choice. 36, he said we are not to allow darkness to put out our light, but let it shine for the lost. That can only be speaking of a Christian. That's not a non-believer. See? Very important. Now, this is when the Pharisee interrupts or gives the invitation. Notice then in 37, 38, you have the extension of the invitation. The person is described as a certain Pharisee that asked him to dine with him. One of many Pharisees, not any certain Pharisee like Nicodemus or like that, but a certain Pharisee. And as you know, the word Pharisee means separated ones. And they arose after the Babylonian captivity to protect the law. That's why they went to captivity. And uh, they were in the great movement of the great synagogue. There were no more than 6,000 any one time. And the Pharisee asked Jesus to dine with him, and yet they were the biggest enemies of Jesus. Now, Jesus understands all this. He, he knew their thoughts, their motivations. We've seen this before. Now, Jesus accepted the invitation in verse 37, so he went in and sat down to eat. Remember, Jesus accepted the invitation by Simon the Pharisee in, in uh, Luke 7, uh, where the prostitute came in and washed his uh, feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. And uh, Jesus knew these men were always trying to trap him, and yet he accepts the invitation, and he knew that they were doing it in order to accuse him, to trap him, and yet Jesus' motivation is always to reach out to the lost, to turn them from their sin. But he does not back down. Jesus is not a wimp, nor is he politically correct. In fact, if you read many of the confrontations with Jesus, you would not hire him as your pastor today because he would be too unloving. What a rebuke to us. Notice Jesus shocked the Pharisee. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Now, it doesn't mean that he didn't wash. It means he didn't wash the way they had this ritual. The Pharisees recognized the oral traditions as a standard of belief and life, and they had specific rituals to wash their hands. They sought for distinction of praise by their outward observances of the external rites and the ceremonies, specific patterns, and they would have special water put aside in, in, in these uh, containers, and, and they would get about a, a, an eggshell and a half of water, and they would first pour in their hand, and this way to go over the wrist, and then they would rub them together, then they would dip them the other way, and, and all this, and, and you know, now they were sanctified, and they put a premium on this. And see, there's also superstition in those days that demons set on your hands, so if you didn't wash them, you'd eat of demons, and then they possess you. Kind of as dumb as today that Christians can be demon-possessed. You have the demon of gluttony, the demon of lust, the demon of this. It works of the flesh. You're blaming Satan for something you're doing. Grow up. Quit feeding your flesh and blaming Satan. I'm sure that Satan's up there, lose up there. Lord, I didn't do nothing. It's him. I didn't do nothing. They had their fastings, their prayers, their almsgivings, their piety. But it's the same today, right? Churches have programs. We're going to build a building, okay? Who's going to give a thousand? We'll give ten thousand. Here's the gold bar. Here's the browns. Here's here here's here's the silver. And and and, and those of you who are cheap, here's the metal. Yeah. And and you know, we'll put your name on a stall, a toilet, or a parking stall, whatever, or a pew. And and we do the same thing, especially with today's marketing and technological 
social media. Nothing wrong with those things in themselves, but trusting and doing to manipulate and work people. Woo! Welcome to the church. God help us. Verse 39 through 41, we have the confrontation in spite of the invitation. Look at Jesus exposes their evil hearts. Wow, they never expected this. <laughs> Presenting themselves outwardly as righteous. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean. Jesus is speaking as Lord. Mark that well. With full authority. Figurative language. But Jesus is using the cup and dish to indicate a literal condition. Seemingly holy appearance to others publicly. A facade perceived as polluted by God on the outside. Nothing is hidden. But your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. He lets the veil down. They stole from widows. Read Matthew 23, Mark 12. The word wickedness means depraved evil, purpose and desire, the character of their life. These are the religious rulers. Jesus rebuked them for their self-deception. Listen to him. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? Whoa. The phrase foolish ones means without reason, senseless, without intelligent reflection. How can you even think that this is possible? You as parents understand this. When we've got children and they do something just bonehead, we say, well, what is the matter with you? What would you think? Because you know they should have connected the dots. The reason follows, God who made the outside, the body also made the inside and knows the intent of the heart and the motives. So Jesus instructed them to be real in heart. He's trying to convict them, trying to turn them, but rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all these things are clean to you. They were to give alms, to give mercifully, to the poor from the resources, they had the idea behind this of pity, compassion. This was to be the motivation. You have this also in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10 and 17. He opens up like that. Isaiah 58, 4 through 8. Amos the prophet, chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. And how the, 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 they were robbing the people and living luxurious. You know, and that's one of the things that, that we see this in people. God raises people up, and then all of a sudden God blesses, and pretty soon they start living so separated from the people, and they become wealthy in themselves. I'm not begrudging that a man of God would, would earn a living as God blesses if God is doing the work, but never at the expense of the people, never at the expense of the work of God, and never to live separate or above the people. It's real simple. There's clear warnings by the life of Jesus, by the teaching of Jesus throughout the New Testament. And yet somehow men think that they're the exceptions. They think they're the hottest thing since ice cream. The outcome would result in all things being clean to you if they did this. Acknowledged and pleasing God. You see, but they believed that their giving had made them clean before God. Well, if I give this, then God will ignore the rest or he'll count me right. No, 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 not so. And you and I used to be like that if we were religious. You ask anybody, well, what happens? How do you think you'll fare out if you go before the judgment of God? Do you think, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not as bad as my neighbor. I'm, you know, if I take my goods, my bad, I think I'll do okay. Really? Whoa. Because we trust in the good that we do. 
But the bad that we do outweighs the good that we do. Notice the condemnation pronounced over the Pharisees for a life of duplicity comes in 42 to 44. Jesus pointed them out by name, but woe to you Pharisees. And the word woe, as we've seen before, is an exclamation of displeasure of the deeds practiced by the, the regulations here, implying judgment. You have it in 42, 43, and 44. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's not riding a horse. It's judgment. The first three are to the Pharisees. The last to the lawyers, and the scribes were mentioned one time. Jesus, the parallel here, not in the same context, but you find it in, in Matthew 23, 13 to 39, and Mark 12, 38 through 40. Notice Jesus pointed out their self-righteous acts. For you tithe, mint, and rue, and all manner of herbs. What the heck is this? They being legalists, meticulously counting the smallest of their spices they grew in their gardens. Nine for me, one for the Lord. Nine for me, one for the Lord. Wow. And they probably did it before people, so they go, wow, he is righteous. This was the product of their interpretation of Leviticus 27, Deuteronomy 24, and other passages of the law. But the law never demanded this. Now, the law demanded tithe from the produce, from this, from that, everything else. But they went beyond that to show their self-righteousness. Jesus pointed out their unrighteousness and passed by justice and the love of God. So here they're parading all these little things, but the weightier, the more important matters, the things that really matter, the things that God is looking for, spiritually, not physically, they were bypassing because they would benefit themselves and others. Jesus pointed out their selected obedience. Listen to his words. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Not that it was wrong to tithe of what you have, but don't omit the other ones. Their hearts were divided. 1 Samuel 15, 22, it's, it's better to obey than to sacrifice than to hearken to the fat of rams, for it's as rebellion as the sin of witchcraft. Samuel told this to Saul. Throughout the prophets, he, uh, Hosea 6, 6, and other ones, and Micah, and you know, what does the Lord require you to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God? These are the important things. This is what he's looking for. But we always want to demonstrate to people, oh, look what I've sacrificed. When you're doing some out of love, it's not a sacrifice. When I do things out of, out of, not of love, then I think they're a sacrifice. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. We don't take an offering. We receive an offering. If it's not from your heart, don't give it. God has been sufficient. We go to the Lord, we pray, and we wait upon him, and we let him take care of it. Our responsibility is to teach you the word of God and oversee, make sure nobody merchandises in you or comes in here to deceive you. That's our responsibility. And we're here to serve you. Not to lord over you, not to manipulate you, not to use you. That's the model Jesus gave us. Notice Jesus pointed out their love of prominent recognition. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greeting in the marketplaces. The best seats in the synagogues, up front, semicircle. Everybody's looking right at you. Here you are. They love themselves. The greeting in the marketplaces was their insistence on giving them honor publicly. Call me reverend. Really? We love titles. We're no different, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus asked to his church daily, such as should be saved. No evangelist has ever saved one person. God is the one who saves. 
Let's do it God's way. Notice he pointed out their dangerous hypocrisy. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. The scribes were the recorders of Scripture, also lawyers. The word hypocrites, hypocrites, it means an actor on the stage. He puts a mask before his face. You see the old movie theaters. You have the two masks, the smile and the frown from the theater. A person would walk out there, and he would put a mask before him. And, and you know, it wasn't all high-tech. They just held a mask right there. And, and, and people went to the theater to be entertained, not to live reality. <laughs> Often a woman will portray a man in the mask. But that's what a hypocrite is. He wears a mask. Jesus takes it off. They're pretentious, false. You see, they would whitewash the sepulchers during the Passover so that people coming in the pilgrimage would not accidentally touch an unmarked grave and become ceremonially unclean and not be able to partake. Jesus makes them equal to them. They were spiritually unclean. They were not seen as defiled and corrupt with dead men's bones and people coming in contact with should really be defiled because of them. Wow. I don't think they ate much at this dinner. The word graves is emphatic. The ones indistinct dead corpses. One put it this way. The people to fear are not those who disagree with you, but those who disagree with you and are cowardly to let you know it. Napoleon said that. Those that are smiling at you. Judas Iscariot are found in the church, not outside the church. Remember that. When a wife would betray a husband, a son, to a father, it's called treachery because they're close within you. The person who hears the gospel has the opportunity to dine with Jesus, like this Pharisee invited Jesus. If they repent. The Lord's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9 says. But God knows that not all are going to come. Some people don't want to go to heaven. Now, they don't believe in hell, but to their surprise, they're going to end up there. Okay? Listen to Revelation 3, 20. Jesus speaking, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, we use that for evangelism, but the context is Jesus has been kicked outside the church. He's knocking to get back, to allow individually to let him back in. He op we open that door, and he comes in and sus with us. He becomes one with us. The closest thing you can do in those days was to eat. It wasn't forks and all napkins and all clean and nothing. They just put you, some of these restaurants you go to, they put different dishes, Eastern dishes, and you break a piece of bread, and you know, and you know, and there's no double-dipping rule, and everybody's in there, and you're slopping, spitting, and everything else, and you became one. All right? Literally. There are always people who, like the Pharisees, um, presenting themselves as one thing. But in reality, they are false, trusting in their self-righteous works, rituals, or ceremony. Jesus stated some of these things on the Sermon on the Mount. Let me just read some of them. In, in um, Matthew 6, 1, it says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 2 says, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. That's why we don't make a big to-do about money here. We take one offering on Sunday, okay? 
We, we live within the means that God provides. And God takes care of it. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, Matthew 6, 3. Don't be like those you're talking to. Somebody. Yeah, you know, as this morning, as I, oh, I just uh, was led of the Lord about 3 in the 30 in the morning. I'm kind of sleepy because I got up and he asked me to pray. And I did. You know, we're just, we're bad to the bone, aren't we? It's amazing. We love attention. I would love you to think that I'm more spiritual than I really am. That's my flesh. We're no different. When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words, Matthew 6, 7. The attraction to rituals and ceremonies is one of the chief characteristics of the emerging church, by the way. By going back to the mystical rituals of the early church fathers of the Roman Catholic Church, contemplative prayer, the burning of candles, a lot of this ritual is going back to it, a lot of them going into this liturgical stuff. Listen to Colossians 2, 8, 9. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, phileo, sophia, the love of wisdom, empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and power. It's Christ, period, nothing else. In Colossians 2, 20 and 23. He says, therefore, if you die with Christ from the basic principle of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things of perishing with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. I can do all these things. That's not going to make me stronger in the spirit. That's not going to help me not yield to my sin nature. They just give an appearance of that. A buzzword of today. I'm spiritual. Yeah. Dark or light. I'm a Christian. I run things through the word of God. It's new age. It's emergent. People live like the heathen thing. They call themselves Christians. They drink. They cuss. They go party with the world. And then they still say they're Christians. And they say, oh, well, but Jesus hung out. This, and they're tweaking everything. This postmodern, emergent, wreck train. Somebody labeled it submerging church. <laughs> Very accurately. There is no person that hides anything from God. He sees everything the false and evil words to deceive and to manipulate, to injure people within the body of Christ. Listen to Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and marrow, the discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we must give an account. He's talking to Christians. You don't talk to non-believers like this. These are Christians. The insincere invitation led to their condemnation. Wow. Pastor Xavier Reese with a strong admonition for those who continue to fake their way through a relationship with the Lord. Important simple truths drawn from the Gospel of Luke. 
And you can hear this message again anytime online. By simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's still much more to come right here next time as well. However, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can always pick up your own copy of this message. And the title to ask for is False Spirituality Exposed by Jesus. It's available on CD, as usual, for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. Once again, the title to ask for is False Spirituality Exposed by Jesus. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com